Uh, I'm gonna say no one's better than me. <laughs> You can't see it, but I am dancing my ass off. Get the hell out of here, Tom Brady. The man is no longer going to call the AFC East home. And we have dreamed of this for probably the last 15 years, once it became apparent that Brady and Belichick were going to be a problem in Foxborough. Welcome to Locked On Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, and let me just say, I am stoked to be able to say we now live in a world, the year 2020, in which Tom Brady, after two decades of torment, will no longer be calling the AFC East home. The New England Patriots are going to have to segue permanently. Father Time has inevitably won out, which he always does. And it's a little bit sweeter to see the knife stuck in the side of Patriots fans, right? And that they've, uh, Tom Brady's never going to leave Boston. He's won six rings here. I'm going to engrave his seventh one in the brim of my hat. When Brady bangs back to Lombardi. Well, guess what, brothers and sisters of the North? Brady ain't bringing shit home to you anymore because Tom Brady let out a statement yesterday revealing that he's very thankful for two decades of his life spent with the New England Patriots and the memories will last forever and that he's forever a Patriot is the headline. And Barry DeBell, halfway through that statement, Tom says, my career is going to be continuing elsewhere in the NFL in 2020, but I will be playing. It's over. Is the Patriots dynasty dead? No, Bill Belichick is still here. I expect this team will still be a problem. It'll still be a thorn in the side of the rest of the AFC East, at least for the last the next several years. You know, But if you look at this roster the way that it's constructed right now, Tom Brady's parting gift to New England was a $13 million dead cap. I can't believe, you know, I talked about this with Joe Marino on Draft Dudes today. I am generally up to speed on, like, the cap. I didn't realize Tom Levy was, was going to smack the Pats with $13 million in dead cap space. So now this team, which had 23, they are really up against the cap here. And they've got to acquire a quarterback. It is a good time to be a fan of the Miami Dolphins when this team is continuing to go out and spend smartly. I had one dude in my mentions yesterday complaining about signing Jordan Howard to a two-year, $10 million deal because running backs don't matter. Brother, have some perspective. They gave him two years, $10 million for a dude that rushed for over 1,000 yards in his first two seasons in the NFL, over 3,100 rushing yards in his first three seasons in the NFL. Downhill runner. We talked about this yesterday when we talked about Eric Flowers and his fit with Miami coming to terms to uh, come play in Miami for three years, $30 million. I said, if that's the direction that the Dolphins want to choose to take their offense, that's fine as long as there's continuity with the personnel. Jordan Howard and Eric Flowers, 
are going to play the same brand of football. So now the writing's really on the walls here as far as what we can expect from the Dolphins uh, moving forward. They are continuing to spend wisely. They're continuing to target young football players. They're continuing to target players that are going to match their style of play, unlike you know the big signing when we went out and signed. Mike Wallace is a good example. Mike Wallace is a deep down the field kind of guy. Ryan Tannehill was a touch intermediate passer. A lot of timing stuff with Brian Hartline that in that time frame back in the 2000 early 2010s. And then you bring in Mike Wallace and Mike and Ryan could never get on the same page because they played different styles of football. And theoretically, yes, you want a guy that's going to be able to take the top off the defense, open up the spacing for the rest of the field. But to pay what you paid Mike, you're paying Mike to catch, not to space the field for other guys. If you look across the slate here for what the Dolphins have done in free agency or the legal tampering period to this point, free agency opens this afternoon. Complimentary players on the offensive side of the football, Jordan Howard, Eric Flowers, they are downhill running game type talents. I would expect you'll still see a back go fairly early in the NFL draft. J.K. Dobbins seems to be the favorite in the clubhouse. 39? I'd be a little disappointed at 26, just because running back in the first round isn't a pill I'd like to swallow. But I think at the very least, Jordan Howard buys you flexibility to kind of take positional value as it comes at the running back position in the NFL draft. Defensively, Kyle Van Noy plays the system. Byron Jones opposite Xavier Howard. Two physical, long, big corners who play in the face of receivers at the line of scrimmage, which allows then in turn the Dolphins to play a lot more pressure-oriented looks and bring more bodies, get more exotic, because you know you've got guys that can put clamps on the outside. Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Lagba, who signed, agreed to terms yesterday, two years, $15 million, long arms, he had a really good year this past year in over 10 games with Kansas City. Five and a half sacks in 10 games. He, like Shaq Lawson, these are front side of the set, collapse the line of scrimmage, and make sure that you're dictating the pace and gaps, and you're controlling gaps. That leaves your linebackers free-flowing to rush and attack. So Miami, you know, it's people are going to, continue to look at the signings and say, wow, they're bringing in everybody. Well, yeah, no, of course they are because their roster's bad. <laughs> and they've openly talked about, Chris Greer has openly talked about, we want to not spend a significant amount of time sitting on our hands to rebuild this team. We don't have to. We don't need to. There's no reason why this can't be a reasonable turnaround. So you take all that and you take all the youth that the Dolphins are going to infuse with veterans that fit their style of play of what they want to run or already have experience working with Brian Flores. And you look at the rest of the landscape. The Buffalo Bills adding Stephon Diggs is a big domino, but it cost him their first-round pick. So that will effectively be their first-round pick in 2020. Do you believe in Josh Allen? I think the New York Jets are still asleep. And the New England Patriots just lost Tom Brady. It, it, it is the most exciting climate in the AFC East that you can legitimately claim to have seen at all in the last 10 years. 
Dolphins last won in 2008. They are the last team that's not the Patriots to win the AFC East in 2008. It's been 11 straight division titles for the Patriots with Tom Brady, who's now gone. Going to take his talents to Tampa Bay. Like the fit there, by the way. So for Miami, I think this changes the dynamics of what the expectations are for 2020. You know, it's been suspected. Jeff Darlington's talked about it at length for a while, but like now it's official. When he officially announces he's not coming back, Bill Belichick is still there. The Patriots are now going to be able to retain a lot of their pieces on the defensive side of the ball, which gave up 225 points last year. So defensively, Patriots are going to be tough. You know what it kind of reminds you of? Kind of reminds you what the Dolphins looked like when Dan Marino left. Really good talent on the defensive side of the ball. They're going to get some run-of-the-mill average quarterback. Wouldn't be surprised if it's Andy Dalton. Bring Andy Dalton into the fray. They're going to be a little bit more run-heavy offense. Much like you saw with the Dolphins with Jay Fiedler. They're still going to have some talent. And they're still going to have good coaching. Ten wins? Yeah. Probably. But at the same time, it's not the looming black cloud on the horizon of, oh, great, the pa- we play the Patriots in two weeks. I say this, and the Patriots will probably sweep the Dolphins this next year. <laughs> but at the same time, this feels like a big weight lifted. And I don't know about you guys and gals, but I've waited a really, really long time to bid farewell and happy trails to Tom Brady. And he's still playing, but he's not our problem anymore. He's Drew Brees' problem, or Taysom Hill's problem, depending on who you ask. He's Matt Ryan's problem. He's whoever's going to be playing quarterback for the Carolina Panthers. He's their problem. You look across the league, and it's a, this is definitely a seismic shift. And one that Dolphins fans, Jets fans, and Bills fans are thrilled to welcome. We'll be right back after this pre-pause for sponsor identification. We're going to keep digging through some of the shifting in free agency, names that are still left out there that might make sense for the Dolphins, as well as what you need to know about what the rest of the AFC East is doing. So all of a sudden... The AFC East landscape is considered wide open. Uh, I think the Buffalo Bills as a team that is bringing back a lot of talent uh, is going to be a name to watch. They've done a really nice job building their roster over the course of the first three years under new management with Coach Sean McDermott there. But let's start with the Jets because the Jets are going to make it really easy to talk about what they're doing because they didn't make their first significant move until yesterday afternoon. And if you listen to the buildup to the Jets and free agency, it was, oh, we're going to sign Joe Dooney and we're going to sign Jack Conklin and we're going we're gonna to overhaul this offensive line and get five new starters on the offensive line and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, it turns out the Jets are still the Jets. And that's good news except for everybody but the Jets. Because the Jets, uh, their first contract they gave out was to George Fant from the Seattle Seahawks. They gave him a three-year, $30 million deal to effectively play left tackle. 
and replace Kelvin Beecham, who's a free agent. They re-signed Alex Lewis, who they acquired in a deal at the beginning of the season. Uh, Lewis, by the way, has never played in a full NFL season. Uh, Durability is a problem there. He signed a three-year, $18 million deal. And then yesterday afternoon, they got their big fish. They got a new center, Connor McGovern, who signed a three-year, $27 million contract with $18 million in guarantees. Uh, so they their free agent additions and agreements to this point have formally been all offensive linemen, which is the right idea for the Jets, considering what their offensive line looked like last year. Also an interesting evolutionary curve for Adam Gase, uh, who once was so convinced offensive linemen did not matter because he had Peyton Manning running his offense uh, for one year in Denver that uh, he elected not to address the interior offensive line at all in Miami, and lo and behold, that blew up in his face. So if you look at the Jets right now, Jets depth chart offensively with these three pending signings. I keep mixing it up, and I'm not going to fix it, so I might as well just clarify now. These are agreed to terms. They are not formal signings. The Jets were set to bring back Brian Winters at right guard. They've retained Alex Lewis, who's listed as their starter at left guard. They now have a left tackle in George Fant. And they have a new center in Connor McGovern, who will take the place of Ryan Khalil, who came out of retirement to play for the Jets in 2019. The good news for Miami is this offensive line still stinks. So they're signing players, but they struck out big on all the big names. That, that that's New York, right? They talk a big game. It's oh well, we're gonna we're gonna sign the best players and give them the most money. And what well, turns out, Jack Conklin went for like. $13 million a year, which was like five less versus what he was reported to get and only signed a three-year deal. So either New York didn't want to sign him or they got cold feet or I'm not sure what it was, but they still need a right tackle with Brandon Shell in free agency. Would not be surprised to see Miami ultimately acquire him before it is all said and done. Uh, he played in the Changeli era. Uh, he was a 2016 uh, fifth round selection. But outside of that, it's all quiet on the home front for the New York Jets at this point in time. Not a lot of moves being made. Uh, the New England Patriots, we've talked pretty extensively about them because we've been on cap watch for the Patriots. Their retentions to this point, they, they retained Devin McCourty, they franchise, Jack Joe, franchise tag Joe Thune, the offensive guard, Matthew Slater, their special teams ace, uh, has been retained, and Demir Bird, uh, a wide receiver they agreed to a one-year uh, agreement to. He is effectively going to serve as a wide receiver four, five, six special teams kind of contributor uh, for them. So where does that leave the Patriots at this point in time? Well, this team, uh, with the franchise jag of Joe Thune, with exercising the option on McCourty and the dead cap that Tom Cat, uh, Tom Brady just slapped him with, $13.5 million in dead cap. By the way, they're also on the hook for $4.5 million in dead cap for Antonio Brown. Good riddance. Uh, the Patriots have $8.9 million in cap space at this point in time, according to Spot Track. That, mind you, 
That number is without a quarterback on the roster other than their 2019 fourth-round pick, Jarrett Stidham. If the Patriots want to roll in to this year with Jarrett Stidham, what I talked about is potentially 10-win football team. I don't know. Jared Stedham and Cody Kessler, their quarterbacks. If this team in turn goes out and manufactures some cap space, more power to them, uh, they will be able to probably trade and acquire a veteran quarterback and restructure him and extend him and uh, for three or four years and, and might be able to buy themselves a veteran quarterback. A guy like Andy Dalton. Let me tell you, let me ask you if this offense scares you. Nikhil Harry, Mohamed Sanu, Julian Edelman, Matt Lacoste, Ryan Izzo, Sony Michelle, James White, Andy Dalton. Win offensive line of Isaiah Wynn, Joe Thune, David Andrews, Shaq Mason, Marcus Cannon. Because that's what you're looking at right now. And again, this team has less than $9 million in cap space according to Track. Has a pick at 23 and nothing else until the third round. And they're going to lose Danny Shelton. They're going to lose Jamie Collins. They're going to lose Kyle Van Noy because he's coming to Miami. They lost three starters on defense. Philip Dorsett's a free agent. Ted Karras, who started at center for them last year, is a free agent. Miami's reportedly still interested. The attrition is real. And please do not start talking about the Patriots tanking for Trevor Lawrence. This team's not that bad. Bill Belichick is still here. If Bill Belichick retires this afternoon, then we can talk about tanking. But if Bill Belichick is still in the building, which last I checked he is, I don't think the Patriots are going to be in a position uh, to find the, the draft capital and bad enough record to be in the running for Trevor Lawrence. Never say never. But let's not start talking about tanking yet. Which brings us to the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills, obviously trading for Stephon Diggs has been their big splash. They have loaded up on the defensive line and the front seven. I know they lost Lorenzo Alexander, their rush linebacker, uh, to retirement this past year. Uh, Vernon Butler, Quentin Jefferson, Mario Addison, all defensive linemen that they've agreed to terms with. Inside linebacker. A.J. Klein, physical kind of downhill guy, and Josh Norman, corner. They re-signed their own guys in Quinton Spain, the offensive guard who would have been a candidate for Miami and Jason Kroom, tight end. So nothing sexy in free agency for this team. Obviously, an aggressive splash to go out and get Stephon Diggs. But I do at least have to question. Stephon Diggs and his fit in Buffalo's offense. Now, I know that the narrative around Josh Allen is this is a big-arm guy, push the ball down the field, would be a home-run fit for a speedster like Stephon Diggs. But if you go back and you actually watch Josh Allen play football last year, he was not consistent and he was not effective on deep balls. Lack of timing, lack of chemistry, lack of touch. He hit some throws down the field based on raw arm talent, 
But Stephon Diggs is going to cook guys pretty routinely. Maybe not against, hopefully not against Miami. Maybe not against uh, Stephon Gilmore in New England. Jets cutting Tremaine Johnson, by the way. But uh, he's going to get open down the field. But Josh was much more of a run-after-catch inside of 10 yards, quick game player this past year than what he was in years past. So are we going to get a little bit of the Ryan Tannehill-Mike Wallace dynamic here where Josh has the ability to hit those throws, but he is nowhere near consistent enough in hitting them? Are they going to turn Stephon Deggs into a slant-and-run RPO-type receiver? Or are they going to try and and force Josh outside of his comfort zone to hit the deep balls down the field? That's an interesting dynamic, at least something that if we wanted to throw a little bit of doubt on that move for Buffalo, that's the way I would take it. That's the AFC East update. What about the rest of the Dolphins' potential moves? We'll be right back after this brief pause to talk about who is left on the market that Mike made sense for the Dolphins as far as economic buys since we're probably done seeing the dolphins spend heavy dollars in 2020 free agency so who is left in free agency for the miami dolphins there are some prominent names still on the market not sure how big of a player the dolphins are going to be in players like jadavion Clowney, who remains unsigned but has stated that his objective is to reset the market for pass rushers. If that's his goal, he probably ain't coming to Miami. Working our way down the list here, I see some notable names. Damon Harrison, Snacks Harrison from Detroit. He's 31 years old. He's a little bit longer in the tooth, but at the very least, his appeal for Miami is he plays what Miami does not have, which is a true nose tackle. I think there's some potential value there between him and Linval Joseph both as big-bodied interior defensive linemen, both from the NFC South, both on the open market as we speak. Depending on how Miami swings at offensive tackle, Cordy Glenn is still out there. I would not want to make that signing, but he is a player at a position of need that is going to fit Miami's power-oriented approach that at least needs to be earmarked and acknowledged where if you sign him on a two-year short-term deal with not a lot of guaranteed money, you can roll the dice. Logan Ryan is another defensive back slash corner. He's played nickel and he's played outside at Tennessee and has a history with Brian Flores and the New England Patriots. It's a name to watch. I think his market value at this point, based on what we've seen guys like Kyle Fuller and and Byron Jones, and even some of the other guys who have, have signed uh, at this point in time, you're probably talking $10 million per. And the Dolphins have, have surrendered a lot of cap space. So I don't expect them to be big players there. If Miami wants to continue to make moves and boost along the defensive line with inside-outside positional flexibility guys, somebody like Derek Wolf from Denver, Makes a lot of sense, 30 years old. Jabal Sheard, uh, the guy with some Patriots background out of Indianapolis, he's 31. Michael Bennett, who's kind of been all over the place. He's been in Philly and New England and now Dallas most recently. He's 34. I doubt Miami makes a play for him, um, but he is a player that, with a tie to the New England Patriots system, of course, 
you at least need to acknowledge, especially because we're not quite sure at this point how much of a priority the Dolphins are going to make an outside pass rusher if they want to get a quarterback and then they want to get an offensive tackle with their second pick. And if you have to trade up at all, now you're talking about not getting a pass rusher in the first round. And Caleb on chase on would be off the table. And we've seen Kyle Van Noy at it and these big long arm guys like Emmanuel Logba and Shaq Lawson. So not quite sure where they stand in the draft. Kelvin Beecham, former New York jet, 30 years old, left tackle, another name to, to earmark as well. I don't think we'll really see the dolphins make any plays of significance at the linebacker position, especially because they did sign or agree to terms to sign uh, Kamu Grugler Hill yesterday on a short-term deal, a former Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, I like him. I'm from the Philadelphia area myself, so I'm pretty familiar with him during his time with the Eagles. He's a solid football player. Uh, I think Miami got a good low-end buy there with Grugler Hill. So a kind of under-the-radar agreement and signing for us to acknowledge and and at least watch moving forward. Although, with that said, I do think he will be more of a special teams contributor than a guy who is frequently on the field on the defensive side of the football. Uh, We've been reported to be discussing a potential contract with pass rusher Marcus Golden, who spent some time in Arizona and had a nice year, and then he got hurt, and then he went to New York. As I look through the rest of this list, I'd like to maybe see us get a nose tackle. I know Michael Pierce from the Baltimore Ravens is still out there. I'd love to sign him. You get Michael Pierce as your true nose. You can play even fronts with Godshall, Wilkins, and Pierce as the interior guys. You have Shaq Lawson as a stand-up guy on the strong side of the set. Kyle Van Noy can either be walked up on the weak side or he can be a stack linebacker along with Raquan McMillan and Jerome Baker as your, your, your base 3-4 type look. I would really like that. And then you're talking about on the back end of your defense, you got press, physical press corners, Xavier and Byron Jones. You got a strong safety in Eric Rowe, who has a ton of experience playing the cornerback position. So man on man, if you if you get a three wide receiver set or you get a flex tight end, he can roll down and he showed last year he could have success playing coverage against tight ends in coverage. If you get a dynamic free safety over the top of that group, Telling you, dynamic free safety, speed option as a pass rusher. This team's going to be cooking. Let's get a nose tackle in here. Michael Pierce, I'm hoping that is the one that I got my eye on. Really want to see them. Now, they'll probably address a ton of other stuff as far as just improving the depth across the board defensively, and that's fine. I think that's, that is necessary as long as it's smart. You know, you get two or three-year deals. Um you front end the the guarantees in the dollar amounts so that you can part ways if you need to. And then you go into the draft and you, you know you need to get your premier positions of, of quarterback and potentially an offensive tackle. And then the rest of the way, you can take the value as it comes to you or you can choose to trade up and down the board to go attack certain players or stockpile future picks for, for next year's draft, which the Dolphins already have a surplus in and are looking up as the Houston Texans stock begins to take a dive um, for the worse. So 
these these Dolphins with Chris Greer at the helm are positioning themselves very well. I think the, the free agent market is still strong despite a lot of verbal agreements for a lot of the household names. Wouldn't expect any more splash signings. I think they, they've kind of gotten their guy as far as the household name that's that's really going to be a big game changer for their roster and Byron Jones. Uh, the rest of these complementary pieces are pieces that, you know, while expensive, we know they fit. Uh, we know they have a lot of experience with some of these guys. And the ones that we don't have experience with, we've seen a lot of these guys up close and personal, like the Shaq Lawsons of the world. So I think Miami is is finding price points that they're comfortable with, and then they're getting the best available targets they can to fit the way they want to play football. That's all you can ask for. And it's more specific than what we've seen in years past. And as we said yesterday, spending money is not the problem. It's how you spend the money that's the problem. And the Dolphins are spending it differently because they have positioned themselves to have flexibility in the long term, to play, pay the money now to acquire talents, and then keep the ones that work, and you can jettison the ones that don't. We'll be back tomorrow to continue to talk as free agency officially opens this afternoon. Hope you guys enjoyed this discussion on Miami Dolphins, the AFC East, and the farewell to one Tom Brady, who we hate to see you go, but we love to watch you leave. Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins. Bring it back here tomorrow for more free agencies talk.